Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister makes an in-person apology to the First Nation he was invited to visit on the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. We had an important and necessary conversation about how we, not just as Canadians, but as an entire country, move forward given the reality of residential schools. The chief of the First Nation calls the meeting bittersweet. Today is about making some positive steps forward and rectifying a mistake. We wanted to ensure that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau visited what we refer to as a sacred site, the unmarked burial sites of the confirmed missing children from the Kamloops Indian Residential School. Pfizer asks Health Canada to approve its COVID-19 vaccine for children aged 5 to 11. It's another sign that we are getting to the end of this, and we've had many of those signs over the, the last few weeks. And this, this would be among the biggest of the, the game changers toward the end. It's Tuesday, October the 19th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mark. So yesterday, the Prime Minister visited with the First Nation in British Columbia, whose invitation he didn't respond to, to attend ceremonies uh, on the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And the chief of that First Nation described the visit as bittersweet. Um, I know there is... uh, there, there is in, in an increasing feeling, a very strong feeling among Indigenous people uh, that that the, the Prime Minister and the government have to do more than than just symbolic things. Uh, that they're that they have to deliver on some things uh, rather than just visit and listen and 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 do those kinds of things. What do you what do you think was the outcome? What what was accomplished yesterday? Well, you're right. This has become a refrain that more than words are needed. But uh, before we got there, we had to. There were a lot of words yesterday. It was a very long ceremony, and I was trying to think about the the last time I could recall a prime minister sitting there and being publicly chastised for hours by by people. It was it was quite an extraordinary scene yesterday, um, which, as he said repeatedly was on him um you know he he paid a, a a big price just in terms of public shaming yesterday sitting at this ceremony and and basically being you know wrapped on the knuckles and around the head by um every speaker who said that you know um was disrespect it was a sign that uh that this prime minister only does words and and has to be judged by his actions. The actions are are difficult. And when I was listening to to Trudeau's speak, he was saying it's not all entirely on him. Reconciliation is not. And one of the one of the chiefs said this too. Reconciliation. We're never going to reach a day in Canada where there is reconciliation, and we can all you know dust off our hands and say, well, that's done. That's one problem. Another problem is is that the federal government can only assume so much leadership on this, which um, is to say almost none, because it has to take its lead from the indigenous communities, um, 
on this. So the, the, the process of coming out of, of, of not just the ill-timed, regrettable trip to Tofino, but the larger issue of reconciliation itself, unfortunately, is not a neat and tidy one. And there's, there's very little that Ottawa can do by way of action. It's more spending. And then the spending has to be done by uh, the way that money is spent is done by the First Nations. And they gave some ideas yesterday, you know, healing centers, um, programs for um, to, to treat the trauma of residential schools, you know, uh, ways to find um, more of these um, these burial sites. But again, it was it was a picture yesterday of exactly how complicated and no win this situation is for Trudeau. Even if he hadn't taken the trip to Tofino, this is a a long, long process, and Ottawa's Ottawa's ability to do anything about it beyond spend money is is uh, questionable. Mm. All right, let's turn to uh, the COVID-19 storyline. There are a couple of things uh, that are worth talking about today. First of all, Pfizer is asking Health Canada to approve a vaccine for children aged 5 to 11, which would be the first in Canada, uh, would be a big development. This is this is still an area where there is a lot of risk and where many Canadian families feel exposed. Um, so uh, what are you hearing about that and how big a breakthrough would it be to be in a position to, to vaccinate children in this country? Well, this is a massive one because um, school is back and uh, we are seeing lots of signs that we are coming out of this pandemic. The numbers are, you know, except in some hot spots, you know, um, uh, localized spots like Saskatchewan. But we are, we are seeing that there is a way out of the pandemic now. The, the problem, as you as a parent know, is that the mass, mass number of people who remain unvaccinated in this country are children. And as long as there are unvaccinated people, this virus and this um, this pandemic is going to circulate. So this is a game changer when it happens. The health can is going to want to be careful about how quickly it, it uh, approves it. But we're moving in, in a positive direction, I think. that's um, it, It's another sign that we are getting to the end of this, and we've had many of those signs over the the last few weeks. And this this would be among the biggest of the the game changers toward the end yeah and with all those signs uh there there are people saying hey maybe it's time to bring to an end the benefits that the government has been providing to canadian individuals and businesses almost since the pandemic began uh there's been lots of different advice and lots of internal debate from what i understand within the liberal caucus and within uh, among the advisors to Finance Minister Christia Freeland, uh, who now faces this big decision on on what to do about these important supports. Yeah, and again, this goes to the issue of where this pandemic is. It is it, all of these programs that we're talking about winding down were invented by the government. It's you know it it, it is staggering to imagine how much the government invented programs over the past 18 months. They're all due to expire at the end of this week. Uh, and the recovery benefits that are for businesses 
could be extended right up until November 30th, which would mean that Parliament could resume and have a conversation about what these benefits look like in the future. The sickness, um, the ones for individuals, are set to expire before Parliament even comes back at the end of November, which is another problem. And this is all based on them being extended. Again, it's a very complicated story. The, the overall story of this is there is going to be debate about this when MPs and caucuses meet because they're hearing different things from different people. Some businesses are saying that these benefits are preventing people from preventing their ability to hire people and get them back to work. Uh, so you're, you're hearing that in some places. You're hearing, though, that some people are still suffering individually and uh, you know, the pandemic is not over for them uh, in terms of the, the economic damage that it has wreaked. So I think the Prime Minister this week is starting, I believe the meetings, one starts today, uh, the Prime Minister will be meeting with the Bloc Québécois uh, leader, Yves-Francois Blanchette, and then the other opposition leaders over the course of the next days to talk about what Parliament will look like and how quickly they're going to get their act together. This is going to be one of the first things they're going to have to talk about is all of these programs that Canada invented for the pandemic, what happens to them as Canada is coming out of the pandemic? Yes, they all expire at the end of this week, but I think we're going to see in some form or another, we're going to sort of struggle along until the end of November with trying to to keep some of them alive. The NDP has already written to the Prime Minister, for example, asking that some of the individual benefits, um, something be found uh, to do about them before Parliament resumes. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, let's talk about Alberta. Um, The province voted in municipal elections uh, yesterday, and, and there are new mayors of both Calgary and Edmonton where the incumbents were not running again, so... Uh, there is, the, it appears, the first woman to become mayor of, of Calgary, and former federal cabinet minister Amarjeet Sohi is going to be the new mayor of Edmonton. Uh, but Albertans also voted in a referendum on whether uh, to remove equalization payments from, uh, from the, Canada's system of federalism. Um, it's obviously, uh, as Jason Kenney described it, it's a bargaining chip. It's it's not binding on the federal government in any way. But uh, the early results suggest, not surprisingly, that that uh, Albertans voted in favor of this. What does that end up meaning? So in, in one of my past lives as a reporter, I was a constitutional reporter. So I feel like this is a, ah. a familiar tune. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, it would be a surprise. I, back then, uh, one of the old jokes was that there were only six people in Canada who actually understood the equalization formula. There may be a few more now, given the attention that Jason Kenney has put on it. One of the other things that Jason Kenney has been doing as a lesson from the old constitutional days and even the current um, place in the country is is trying to have Alberta bargain with the Federation in the same way that Quebec does. He often draws the parallel between them, you know, that, and, and one of the big drums he was banging through this whole fight was that Alberta is paying money too much, too much money. While provinces like Quebec are, you know, reaping the benefits. He is doing what Quebec has done too, which is saying, you know, if we feel a certain way in a, in the, in a referendum and express that the Supreme court has already said, that the federal government is obliged to negotiate. 
and that was a big, you know, court case of the 90s. And Jason Kenney is hoping that this is what's going to happen is that we won't know the full results, I guess, for a week. But I think, as you said, we've got a pretty good idea that Albertans are going to vote against equalization because they've been told it's unfair. And there's some evidence that it may be. What Ottawa does about it, it's unclear. It could treat it like the, you know, Quebec's uh, traditional complaints and grievances and feel it has an obligation to negotiate. It could, though, also treat it like uh, Alberta's long-standing and, and repeated elections for a senator. Uh, mm. Alberta has been trying to get elected senators in and has been electing its own senators to be put forth. And various prime ministers have gone back and forth on whether they will acknowledge that. Some of those elected senators never taken a seat in the Senate, a couple have, but it's it's um, just because Alberta wants the Constitution to be changed is not a reason the Constitution will change. Yeah. I think that's all people need to know is um, if, if wishing were the, the case of making things reality in Canada on constitutional matters, we'd have a very different Constitution, and we don't. Mm. All right. Great insights. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. The reality of residential schools and the ongoing tragedy that continues to color not just our past, not just our present, but unfortunately also our future. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Ken Coates argues Indigenous peoples did nothing wrong to the government of Canada. Coates writes... No act undertaken by Indigenous peoples made justifiable the mass death wrought upon their societies. They did not create the European sense of cultural superiority or the racial hierarchies that condemned their societies. They did, however, feel the full weight of deeply entrenched racism. Reconciliation cannot be achieved by a naive desire to put the past behind us. Canada must recognize how our colonial history hangs as an unjust millstone upon Indigenous societies. Clearly, it's time to set things right. In the National Post, L. Ian MacDonald argues the Liberals appear to be in no rush to build back better. MacDonald writes, After the swearing-in of the new federal cabinet next Tuesday, it will be nearly a month before Parliament meets for the election of a Speaker, followed by a throne speech, which requires six sitting days of debate. After that, the House will adjourn for the Christmas break on December 17th and, according to its sitting calendar, will not meet again until January 31st. If this is a timeline for building back better, Prime Minister Trudeau and his minority Liberal government don't appear to be in any rush. In the National Observer, Max Fawcett considers Jason Kenney's referendum to nowhere. Fawcett writes, There is no universe in which Alberta can actually do what the ballot question suggests. So why vote on something that can't possibly happen? Because it gives a wildly unpopular premier one last chance to play his favorite strategic card and risk losing more of Alberta's chips at the political poker table. If Jason Kenney shows up to the next council of the Federation demanding changes to the Constitution, he's going to get laughed out of the room by the other premiers, if he even survives that long as premier. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will speak with Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet, and Governor-General Mary May Simon continues her state visit to Germany. 
And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, October the 19th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.